The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. We take a moment this morning and welcome you all around the Word of God at this little table. And as you worship God together in your homes, get together and rejoice in the Lord today. We have a special moment today just to remember women. And um, I would encourage every woman to be a good lady. To keep your identity. I would encourage each lady to live according to the blueprint that God has put for you. Don't let the world dictate what kind of female you should be. I would encourage every woman to be a good mother. I would encourage every woman to be a good wife. As we share your femininity this morning, we are in praise to God that he made women to be loved and to love and to care for those around her. I do believe this morning as we pray, we're going to include you in our prayer as women, that your influence might be bettered in the world in which we're living today. Let's pray together as we uh, ask the Lord, our Creator and Redeemer, to continue to bless the ladies of our congregation. Father, we lift the woman to you today, and we believe in all our hearts you made woman for man. We believe too that you gave them a special identity, no confusion in the fact that she's female, to be a mother, to be a wife, and Lord, to be the beauty and the fragrance to the world that is around us. We thank you for the tenderness of woman. We thank you, Lord, for the joy and the laughter they bring to the world and the tenderness. We ask you that their love and their care may continue for their families around them. We ask you, Lord, that they too might not be the object of violence, but the object of our love. Father, thank you that you made women in your image and your likeness. This morning, bless every family who has a mother, Lord, who has a woman who is present in that family through young girls and young men and young women. We pray that you bless them this morning and make them a blessing. Hear your word this morning, Father, and speak through it to our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. We often hear the word legacy. Well, what would my legacy be? We've been going through the life of Moses, and for the closing moments in the life of Moses, Let's look at his legacy, that which he left behind, that which was so important as an influence in the life of a community, of a nation, of individuals, and that which was important to God. His spiritual legacy remains. In Deuteronomy 34, the last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord speaks to Moses, and he says to him in the fourth verse, he says, then the Lord said to, to Moses, This is the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And God buried him in the valley, the land of Moab. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim. His natural vigor did not diminish. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab. 
And then the 10th verse tells us, But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants and in all his land, and by that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. What a man. And this morning as we look at his legacy, that which he has left behind, and we look at the character that God built, we are struck with this one thing. First of all, that God's purpose revealed God's greatness in Moses. And that meant that Moses had to be involved in all that God had asked him to be involved in. It's an interesting verse. So this, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died as the Lord had said. Moses never lived a day longer than he should have lived. He never lived a moment longer than he was supposed to, because he lived to fulfill the purpose of God. And God took him when he needed him. It was the great French historian and philosopher who said this. He said that Moses is a colossus among the figures of humanity. In other words, he's the great, one of the greatest of the greats. The only man in the Bible that God buried. God never buried anybody else but Moses. What kind of man was he? He was a leader of his people. He was a statesman before Pharaoh. He stated God's case to that pagan king. He was a commander of the forces of Israel as he led them out of the wilderness. He freed this whole nation from slavery under God's mighty hand. And this nation survived, that's the Hebrew, Jewish, Israeli nation, has survived for over 3,000 years because they were called out by God through Moses, in, given a law to live by. And even today the Jewish people acknowledge that Moses and the law of Moses. He is a prophet, one of the greatest of the greats in the Old Testament, to whom God spoke face to face. What a legacy. If you're a Jew today, you admire that one fact that God spoke to Moses face to face and gave him the law. But oh, if you're a Christian, you realize your Christian heritage is through the man that God gave the law, Moses. He performed miracles. He manifested the power of God, says the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verse 12. And by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel, he demonstrated the miracles that God allowed, uh, did through him. What a mighty uh, moment in the life of Moses. I believe this morning as we look together we realize that here's a man who could truly say, I've seen God demonstrate his power through me. Deuteronomy 34.10 Since then there's been no prophet arisen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Of no other man in scripture other than the Lord Jesus is this spoken of. What a legacy. In all the signs and wonders, remember the plagues? 
as God Almighty, the living God, puts down the pagan image of God and rises above and becomes the sovereign Lord who says, they will know that I am God. The river Nile turns to blood. The frogs come out to Egypt. The plague of darkness. All these plagues are miraculous signs and wonders from our God. Then comes the Red Sea. Moses stands at the waters of the Red Sea, an army behind them to destroy them. But God says, take that rod and strike the water. And those, the water rises. And there's a way through the Red Sea. You see the salvation of God come through the hand of Moses for his people. What a powerful position to be in. What kind of person do you think this was making Moses? Well, there was a time too, just after that, when he stood and the, water, the people never had water. And the Lord said, take, take the rod in your hand, stand on that rock and speak to the rock. And Moses did. And water came out. Go up to Mount Sinai, he says, and receive the law. Moses is the only man on earth that God spoken to and written in front of and given him the law, the law of God's own heart, the law of God's own character by which man must live. Now you see, you can have the law of God. That doesn't make you perfect. It didn't make Moses perfect because he knew it and he recorded it and he shared it with the children of Israel. But in Numbers chapter 12, um, now the man Moses, what kind of man was he? What legacy does he leave behind in character? The Bible says in Numbers 12 verse 3, Moses was very humble man, the humblest man on the face of the earth. My I ask this question, how is that possible? Didn't some of this go to his head and he become proud and full of himself? The Bible says he was, the, it uses a word, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. What kind of God follower or Christian are you? Full of pride? Full of arrogance? Look at Moses, these great wonders that God did through him. There was no self-boasting. He was a meek and a humble man. Does that mean to say he was perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. He got angry. But I want you to notice too that in Exodus 20, 20, after bringing the law down to God's people, there was a purpose. And I want us to link to that purpose in his legacy and in his greatness today. Do not fear the Lord, your God, because he's going to put you to the test. He tells them not to fear God because the people did. And here comes the law of God. And he says, this law and this wandering through the wilderness is going to be the test. Now, in our tests of life, there are many temptations. The tests are not a problem. The trials are not a problem. It's being tempted there to grumble against God. It's being tempted there to dismiss God. It's tempted there to say to, uh, to, to argue with God about why he's allowing this. In our life, there's a temptation not to accept what God is doing when the test comes. And Moses went through those tests just like the children of Israel, just like you and I do in these days in which we live. 
you will notice when they came out of Egypt, the first thing they didn't have was water. And when they got to Meribah, the water was brackish. And God says to him, you cut the branch of that particular tree and take and put it in there. And then Moses called the place Meribah, not bitter, but sweet. What does that show us? In Exodus 15, 26, it says, the Lord shows himself right there. Every time Moses acted on God's behalf, God revealed himself. And here's what the Lord says, I am the Lord who heals you. Wow. It's one thing I notice here, that Moses' life expresses God as he is. I am the Lord that heals thee. What brings this about? Obedience to God. He cut down the branch, he put it in as God said. It seems so silly. But Moses did it according to what God said. He fulfilled what God asked. The purpose of God was being fulfilled. The next thing I want us to notice is that the bread in the wilderness, the people complain they have no bread to eat. And so Moses says, according to God's word, and boy, it's wonderful, isn't it? Here's a man who spoke according to God's word. He never spoke according to Moses. He spoke according to God's word. The Lord says, by tomorrow you'll pick up this little, this little grain on the ground and you're going to call it, what is it? It's called manna. And right through that, as they pick it up every day, they're able to say, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. The Lord is still the bread of life to you and to me today. We need to remember him as he is revealed, as he provides for you and me every day and then you also notice that moses goes up against amalek and begins to fight this king but god says to him you sit up top on the hill and every time your hands are raised you'll be in victory and every time you drop your hands you'll be in defeat he does what god says i'm amazed at moses <laughs> what is the raising of my hands going to do for the victory of israel just do what god says you remember moses is a man of faith and when you when you believe god you do what god says and so Ur and Aaron eventually hold up Moses' hands because he's too tired. When the hands are up, the Israelites win against the Amalekites. But I noticed something about Moses here. He's an intercessor. He's in the gap for the people. If you're a good leader this morning, you pray for your people. No matter what the pain full situation you find yourself in you're an intercessor you're in session on behalf of god's people you're interceding before god so that your people may be victorious every day that was the heart of moses that these people would no longer be this grumbling complaining defeated slave mentality but a victorious people therefore he was an intercessor he left behind a legacy of intercession well, there's lots to say here this morning, but in all this, Moses is meek. Moses is humble. What am I trying to tell you this morning? What is humility? What is meekness? Warren Wisby de defines this meekness as this. It is power under control. God's power available. Moses harnesses that power in obedience and does what, it's, what God says is power under control in meekness. He doesn't do it in pride. And you see a powerful demonstration of God. If you and I want to be meek or humble, it's harnessing 
that power. It's making sure that our lives are under the control of God. And you'll be a meek and a humble man and a humble woman. Well, we notice as we move on in this chapter that there comes a time after the law is given and we look all the way over to Numbers 20, run about verse uh, 24, that Moses and Aaron, once again as they lead the people, are out of water. And it's interesting. Here comes the time in Moses' life when something goes wrong. But he's still a meek man. He's still a humble man. And the people cry for water. Of course he goes to God and he says, why do you leave us here? We're, we're, we're destitute. The situation is critical. And God says to him, take that rod, take Aaron, go take the elders, stand on that big cliff rock, and I want you to speak to the rock. And Moses is so pent up with emotion, he is angry with the people, that he says this to the people as he stands there, do you want us to, go, uh, to bring water out of this rock for you to drink? And he strikes the rock twice. And the miracle happens anyway. But listen to this. God is displeased with Aaron and with Moses. I looked at that and there's a lot of explanation, but there's a lesson to be learned here. They displayed unbelief. Water came out of the rock, but their words were blasphemous. They were saying, look, do you want us to give you water? They were not representatives of themselves, but representatives of God. Be careful when you call yourself a Christian and you're praying for a certain thing to happen that you don't try to take God's glory from God. They made themselves look as the providers. Be careful when you pray for healing and people get healed that you don't become the great healing advertiser. Don't you dare take God's glory. Um, we had a lady in our church who, many, many years ago, who prayed for the Berlin Wall to come down. It's a wall that divided Germany because of the Second World War. Boy, I remember one day she came running to me. She said, you see, it's my prayer that brought down the Berlin Wall. I said, oh, oh, you be careful. You might have prayed with many others for the Berlin Wall to come down. But don't you dare take the glory for the Berlin Wall that came down. Thousands were set free for sure. And she just believed that it was her prayer that brought it down. Be careful you don't try to take the glory from God. The place was called Meribah. The place where Moses got angry. The, Moses lost the plot. And you know, sometimes in the, in the week and in the, in the world, we lose the plot, even though we're good-charactered people. We lose it. And what do we demonstrate? Disobedience. And of course, disobedience in God's eyes brings discipline. In His purpose, He will discipline us. Something we don't write down, something we don't acknowledge, therefore we don't grow spiritually because we don't acknowledge the discipline of God. Um... And it's interesting, Moses goes back to God in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23 to 28, on an occasion, and he says, now listen, Lord, I know I did wrong, I'm so sorry, man, but because God had said to him, listen, you're not going to enter the promised land because of what you've done. 
It's not so much you struck the rock and the water came out. It's, it's that you blasphemed me before the people. You held yourself in high regard as the provider. I am the provider. You try to take my place, Moses. And he begs God. Can't we forget about this? And God refused. I thought we'd learn a little lesson from this this morning. God refused Moses. He said, you're not going into the land I promised the people of Israel. Has God ever refused you? You bet he has. You just never acknowledge it. I remember King David who won the battles and put, brought Israel together as a nation. He had a wonderful plan drawn up to build a temple and God said, it's wonderful, thank you David, but it's not going to be yours. God never answered that prayer. There was the prayer of his son Jesus Christ. Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. God never answered that prayer. But both these men, in their attempt to ask God this prayer that the Father wouldn't answer, did this. They submitted to the will of God. Now what is that? It's when you put your desire under the will of God and you make the will of God your preference. The reason you're not in the will of God this morning is that you put your desire above the will of God. And that's exactly what Moses did that day. He put his anger, his feeling, and his temper with the people above the very purpose of God. Dangerous. Imagine God having to say in heaven, I'm sorry, request denied. God does deny your prayer. He even denies sometimes the purpose that you should be fulfilling in life because of our disobedience. He put, he put someone else in place. Remember Elijah had to go and call Elisha. God was finished with Elijah. I want to just bring that note to you this morning. And the Bible says that Moses died in Moab, the plain of Moab. You can imagine this 120-year-old man walking up 3,000 meters onto, onto the mountain. And there in the plain of Moab, he dies. But the Bible says, and God buried him. We've got quite a bit to do this morning. Here was the loss. What did he lose in that act of disobedience? And ladies and gentlemen, we losers when we disobey. We lose the privilege by failure. Be careful when you're called into the service of God and you don't do what God called you to do and you want to do what you want to do and listen to me, you fail. You lose the privilege. Secondly is this. You lose the opportunity. He didn't enter the promised land. Now does that mean to say, Pastor, I'll miss heaven. No, 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 no. You notice that Moses doesn't miss heaven. He just misses the opportunity. Because in Moses' life and legacy, you pick up this little word again and again. And Moses served the Lord. And Moses took that opportunity to serve the Lord. I believe as Christians sitting in your homes today, you don't know what it is to serve God. You know what it is to pray to God. You know what it is to sing to God. But you've got no idea what it is to serve God. And forgive me, but I, I, I trust you will, you will know after this message that you've got to serve God. It's a choice. It's when you don't put your fleshly desire over the will of God. You do the will of God in spite of your desire. What is the result? Remember? Esau was a loser. He sold his birthright to Jacob. 
He was a fleshly man. He came one day and he looked for the blessing from his father. The blessing of God. And it was not there. Esau lost the blessing. You can lose and I can lose the blessings of God because of our fleshly desires. One moment of anger. One day of disobedience. One season of being out of step with God. Be careful of this um, of this type of attitude. I must move on this morning by saying this to you. We don't see the fulfillment of the promise in this aspect that Moses actually entered the land. Forty years he wanted to be there. It never, it never came to pass. That's the physical thing. And I wanted to remind you today, we can mess up to that point where we don't get our rewards because of our failures. Was God merciful? God is sovereign. He acted in a way that he says, I want to act. And he's left in the legacy of Moses a lesson on losing that we need to learn today. What might have been did not become. Moses saw, but he never entered the promised land. Now you say, Pastor Willie, what happened to Moses? Well, I can tell you that Moses went to heaven. How do I know that? Because a day came on the, on the transfiguration when Jesus and his disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Who appeared in glory with Jesus? It was Moses. Did Moses enter the promised land? I'm going to be as bold as to say he got into the promised land anyway. <laughs> but he came in through the heavenly gate, not through the earthly gate. That's the first thing. And so he appeared with Christ in glory in the land of promise. That's the ultimate for every Christian. And secondly, I want us to notice that in Jude, verse 9 in the New Testament, there's a dispute over the body of Moses. I've thought about this. And Satan contested for the body of Moses. Why? Because I believe that he wanted to appear in, in the body of Moses at the transfiguration. But you see, he, doesn't, he only has the power of death. He doesn't have the power of life. Jesus Christ who was on that mountain is the, is the power of resurrection, life. He is the glory of God encompassed in him. And God in Christ was reconciling the world unto himself. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says this, Through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is Satan. So Satan was defeated once and forever. He could not control the body of Moses. I think of this in dying, that I'm going to shed this body. But oh, the glory is not just reaching heaven, but it's reaching heaven in a glorified body of which Satan has no control over. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. We close this morning. Let us fear to sin, lest we lose the privilege that we might enjoy. Remember that your desires are sinful, but the will of God is pure delight with God. There are three little words as we close this morning that summarize the life of Moses. And they are the secret to living, I believe. Firstly, let's experience God's purpose with meekness. Humility is a key, but firstly, 
Moses was involved by faith. Don't sit on the sideline and cheer people on. Oh, be my witnesses. Oh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you never go yourself. It means you, don't, you have a dead faith. A faith that has no evidence. Moses had a living, involved faith. That's his legacy. And I call that the length of purpose. That's the length. His whole lifetime, 120 years, was a life of faith. Secondly, he was a, he was a humble man. Submissive. Where? In his attitude. And out of that attitude, Moses had tremendous gratitude to God. You see, that's the breadth of life. What is your attitude? You'll never conquer. You'll never become anything in the, in the eyes of God and do the will of God, never submit to God, unless your attitude is right with God. Moses' attitude was right with God. You know, even after he begged God not uh, uh, to let him go into the promised land, he accepted because he climbed the mountain. He didn't rebel. He waited and there he passed in the presence of God. That's a powerful, powerful testimony to me. In spite of his failure, he knew he'd done wrong. He accepted and submitted anyway to God. He put God's will above his desire. Lastly, Moses had a perspective of life. What does that mean? He had an insight into God, which motivated him for living. The reason you think Christianity is boring, the Christian life is just something I've got to take, take along with me so I can get you to heaven. Listen, you have lost the insight into God. And that I call, as I look at it, not only the length and breadth, but I look at it and say, that is the depth. Many Christians are shallow because they don't have the depth in relationship, the depth in the walk with God. It's just a casual acquaintance. It's not an intimate relationship with the living God. How do I know this? I looked at Moses' character. He began to reflect, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Moses was honest in all that he did. That's called depth. He experienced God. How can any man come back and try to contradict all that God said, wrote and did? Never ever he experienced God. You could never go back on what he'd experienced. Lastly, he obeyed God. That's the depth of Christian living. One of my favorite characters um, in the Christian walk is a preacher by the name of Billy Sunday. That was his name, Sunday. Billy Sunday was a baseball player in America. And Billy Sunday had no purpose in life really except just to play baseball. But on part of his life was this. He was also a drunk. And he, he recalls as he came out of a pub in Chicago with his mates after a baseball game, they were so drunk that they sat down on the curb in Chicago. And I must say with a lot of pleasure this morning, I've actually been down that same street. And I've stood on the same corner. 
And Billy Sunday sat there half drunk, and people from the Garden Pacific Mission were singing and preaching God's word across the road. And that day, Billy Sunday says, I saw my life as wasted. I saw my life with no purpose. I saw my life as a drunk with no goodness. And here's what he said. As the word of God was preached and the invitation came to my life, I staggered out of my sin and into salvation. And I began to serve the living God and experience his purpose for my life. His purpose brought fulfillment because of his plan of salvation. It was no longer Billy Sunday, but all glory be to God. And so this morning, as we close our little service, I wonder what your life is going to leave behind. What is going to be your legacy? What will people say? What will the influence be when you're put to rest? Not a nice subject to think about, but a true fact, because we're living it now so that we can complete our lives to the glory of God for that day. My prayer this morning, if you're not right with God, stagger out of your sin into salvation. If you're staggering in your Christian walk and it's not, it's not fulfilling, get alone with God, confess your sin, and write your attitude that you may know the depth of God's grace and mercy, not only in forgiveness, but in the richness of blessing and the fulfillment of God's promises in your life. When will that come, Pastor? When you start getting involved by faith and walking with God in obedience this morning. Let's pray together, shall we? Now, Father, to the glory of your name, we say thank you for the life of your servant. Truly, God, there isn't another prophet on earth ever who experienced so much of you so personally, so powerfully, and yet, Lord, you dealt with him so harshly. I want to thank you this morning that you in your grace and your mercy remind us of your justice. And I pray this morning we as Christians might fear the Lord, trust the Lord, and obey the Lord in all things and not lose the fulfillment of the promises that you've given to us. I pray for each family today we might come under the mighty hand of God, change our ways of living, and begin to honor you in praise and worship and obedience. Blessed be your name this morning. Hear us, Lord, as we partake of the emblems given to us, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We invite you, Savior, to the table you prepared for us. We thank you, Savior, for that which you've done for us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Having thanked the Lord this morning, as we look at the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we are reminded this morning that it's here that Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took the bread and he broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me.
The picture this morning, firstly, is the broken bread. Picture of Christ's broken body. Broken for us because of the sin that he bore in his body on the tree. And we together come and we partake and we remember our Savior becomes our Redeemer and pays the price for us. We partake this morning, each one a piece of bread. Remembering as we partake together, this is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come with thanksgiving. Let's each one just pray as we pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. Thank you that it's the precious redeeming price. It is the powerful blood and body of our Lord and Savior who became the Lamb of God for each and every one of us. It's through your precious body, the very Son of God, who died on the cross, that we have displayed the glory of God. We ask you this morning to receive thanks as we partake in that which you've done for us. By faith, we believe you came to be our Lord and our Savior. We eat together with joy and with thanksgiving. Amen. Gloriously then this morning, we receive the cup, the cup of blessing. And Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is not the cup of the curse, but it's the cup of blessing. What is the cup of blessing? And that his blood was shed for us. A blood that atoned for our sins. A blood that satisfied God's judgment that Jesus Christ is the Redeemer of mankind he paid the price in full and it is finished it is done for now and for all eternity we drink together in remembrance of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and now unto him that's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the throne of his glory to him be glory and power, both now and forever, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks, for participating with us today. Two announcements, once again, to all our ladies. Have a blessed woman's day today. You are made for God's perfection. God bless you. Secondly, thank you for your tithes and offerings. You continue to bring them. God bless you. It's providing in difficult days. Those of you who've got COVID virus, we're praying for you. Please phone in for comfort, for counsel, for strength. We'll pray with you and help you. Thirdly, those of you who need food, uh, we deliver on Thursdays. We have a, a kitchen on Friday at the church. If you need, you may come and receive. Uh, all this is through Jehovah's hand. He's the provider. We acknowledge God and we bless him this morning. Won't you just return thanks with us? Those of you giving to the bread program on Fridays, thank you so much. Please, those of you who would like to give, we're trying to get 1,500 rand for this Friday to buy bread for the hungry. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. Please send the bread money uh, to the F&B account. Uh, the outreach care. God bless you and let's rejoice together. We haven't seen you, but we do love you and soon, very soon, we're going to be together. 
Amen and amen for today.